Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. As you pursue God, everything He has for you is on the trail of pursuing Him. The world says you got to pursue the stuff you want. God says, seek me, I'll take care of that. Seek first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness, all these things to be added to you. And the kingdom of God is different. We, we seek the Lord and then God gives us those things. We don't even have to go, we don't have to go looking for them. They just got to provide them on the trail of seeking Him, keeping Him a priority. And that's why you see sometimes you'll see a person that's pursuing the Lord and all these other things are just happening in their life. Do you see the blessings of others around you and wonder why God has not given you the same treatment? In today's message, Pastor Bill will challenge listeners to protect themselves from these dangerous thoughts and just focus on seeking after the Lord. God works differently in all of our lives, and He knows what is best for you. Our responsibility is simple. Follow Jesus. If we make that choice every day, the consequences are always good. How might you shift your eyes back onto the Lord in your life? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 12 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I don't like to wait. Anything I've ever asked God to do, I feel like, man, I've got nothing fast. Everything has been like, you're going to wait. You know, I'm like, God, I want to marry her. She's not even ready to be my girlfriend yet. You know, I went to Bible college. I wrote on my application in 1999. I wanted to, it was a two year pastoral program. I wanted to go through the program so I could plant a Calvary Chapel in Inglewood. And because I couldn't find one over here. Almost uh, one semester before I finished the program, the church where I'm at says, hey, come on staff here and, you know, do youth ministry with us. And I'm like, no, I'm supposed to go to Inglewood. And I go, I, I pray about it. And the Lord's like, no, you're going to be here a little longer. Ten years. And then finally, ten years. And then God says, a little over ten years. Then I finally get to go. That was not my plan. I didn't plan to be there. But can I tell you, those are some of the best ten years. Those are a fruitful ten years. There was so much God let me do and so much he did in me. There were things that I hadn't even thought of my kids and what God was doing in them. There was that was God's will. But it was not my plan, but it was better than my plan as I look back on it. You know, so I'm just encouraging you guys that we, we have to learn from this. Right. These things are here for our learning. So let's learn from them. Let's don't let's don't present God our our list of what we want instead of we, we want to come to God with an empty sheet saying, God, you tell me what you want from me. Don't come to God with your list of wants. Come to God with an empty sheet and say, God, you can even come with your stuff. Say, God, this is what I think I want. But here, you show me what you want from me. His plans for you will be better than your plans for you every time. Amen. All right. So verse 13, it says, now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. And now he gives them a conditional promise and a warning. Verses 14 and 15. Conditional promise. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice, and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the, the Lord your God. Here's the warning. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the, the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. So the conditional promise is God said, look, if you fear the Lord, you keep serving him and obey his voice and don't rebel. Four things I said them real fast, but they're very important. So fear the Lord, serve him, obey his voice, don't rebel. 
do those things. And God says, look, I'll be with you and I'll be with those who reign over you and just keep following me. However, if you don't obey my voice and you rebel against my commandments, then my hand is going to be against you as it was against your fathers. Here's the thing. They had the option of God's hand being with them or God's hand being against them. There's nothing more powerful than the hand of God. And so if God's hand is with you, who can who can whoop you? Who can defeat you? Who can hinder you? Nobody. But if God's hand is against you, who can save you? Nobody. So if there's one person that you need to be with you, it's the Lord. Sometimes we get that wrong. Sometimes we're looking for help from everybody else. We're looking for agreement from everybody else. We're looking for, you know, for people to agree and see it our way everywhere else. And God is like, the one person you need to be on your team is me. And it's not really that we need God on our team. We need to be on his side. Right. Uh, I don't need God. God's not joining my army. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to join his and I want to get behind him. He's the leader. And so if we'll follow him and obey him, God says, man, I, I'm, I'm a good dad. I got you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to cover you. But if you rebel and go your own way, um, then it's not going to go so well. And so as this was the case for them, uh, again, this is a conditional promise and a warning. Um, some of the, these same things are true for us. You know, there are things that are true. But if we walk, if we obey, if we stay close, um, there are certain promises that we can we can count on from the Lord. If we go our own way, if we rebel against the Lord like them, God will discipline those whom he loves. You know, God will let you run out there. And one of the things that I've seen from just being in a position of pastoring and counseling, there have been things that God's let me see through other people, some mistakes to bring about the fear of the Lord in my own life. And so I've seen men fall in ministry. I've seen people jack up their families. I've seen people just mess up like for no good reason. I mean, God had blessed you and everything was great and you just forfeited it for nothing for that. I've seen the aftermath. I've seen the hurt people and the tears and the brokenness. And it's like, why would you do that when you got I mean, right now you got the Lord. You got you got the best case scenario. Just stay with him. Don't ever turn back. Don't ever go in a new direction like there will never be a good reason to turn back from walking with the Lord. Right. There was never a good reason for them to do it. And so we have to think about that. What made them? What made them do this? Right. God had been faithful. God had delivered them. God had provided supernaturally. God had been great to them. What was it? You know what it was? Looking around at everybody else. They're like, but they got a king. They can. We got they got a king. He, they got a man over them. I want what they got. That's what happened. And that can happen in our culture. You guys easy. They start looking around at what everybody else got. I want what they got. Watching TV shows and watching, you know, looking at Instagram. And I want, I want that. I want one of them. We, you don't know it's behind all them photographs out there. You don't want all that. You know, it's, it's, some, it's, some, jail, it's some jail time and some, some abuse cases and some all kind of stuff. You don't want that. You want God. You want what you got. You want to stay with the Lord. But looking around at everybody else, we got to be careful about lusting after what other people have or what it appears that they have or how well it seems to be going for them. There are some people that think if they just have money, that would fix everything. Some people are convinced, man, if I just if I win the lottery my whole life, that, that's the only thing I need is just more money. You know, what's interesting is everybody that got more money. Uh, there's a whole show where they look at all the people that win the lottery. And, do you know, it's, it's sad. It seems like it ruins more lives than it blesses. Uh, almost all the marriages don't make it. Uh, some of them get killed and took for their money. Some get people taking advantage. Some of them are like, I can't, can't take it anymore. Ah, people begging me for them. Some people didn't manage it well. And so after you had it and you lost it, they're depressed over it and just want to die. It's like, 
it's rarely where you see where it's like, wow, they're blessed. They're, I mean, things are better for them. It just, you know, more money means you can do whatever was in your heart in a bigger way. Uh, and that's what ends up happening. Some people get they hit the lottery and then they alcohol and drug problem go to another level and they ruin their whole life. Just case after case. But the world is still convinced. Then look at your stars. They all in rehab. Right. Why are they so unhappy? Why do they got to be on dope and on drugs? Right. Why? Why they, they live? Some of them live in a state of intoxication. They just can't do life. And you think, man, they have everything. You think of Michael Jackson. You know, who could have been a bigger star than him? And you find out about his last life. He was living on drugs and and all kind of weird stuff. And then, boom, gone. And the world is looking at them. If I could just have that. <laughs> Somebody out in the bush with a, with a, you know, with a very little. And sometimes those are the happiest people. I remember being in Jamaica and we, we, me and my wife went for our honeymoon. We went to this little church. Some little, I, I asked the guy at the hotel, I wouldn't want to go to a church on Sunday. And he took us to, you know, I may have been a Baptist church out in Jamaica, something like that. But we went to this church and I was cool, man. It was this little girl came and, you know, she, you know, they know right away y'all don't belong here. Y'all Americans. So she, I'm, I'm, she sat with us and was like, I'm going to show y'all the songs. So she would help us sing the songs and whatnot. Afterwards, out back behind the church, these little kids are playing soccer. They happy, happy kids. They got flat soccer ball. Some of them got half a shoe, one shoe, no shoe. Um, they, you know, they, they're poor. These are poor kids. But I'm looking at them. These kids is happy. They're not poor, right? They're they, they're happy. They're probably better off than some of these little greedy American kids. I want a new game, you know, whatever. <laughs> they just they don't have stuff, but they look plenty happy back there. And so, we got to be careful about lusting after. The things of the world, what the world has as though that's going to make us happy. That's what made, that's what they did. They looked at what everybody else had. They said, that's what we want. And the saddest thing that can happen is when God lets you have what you think you want. Uh, when you, you press God so much, OK, you know what? You you don't want me. Fine. I'm gonna back off. You go ahead and get what you want. You go ahead and have it. That's that's the worst thing that can happen when God said, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead and find out for yourself that it ain't about nothing. Yeah, it'd be better to listen to him. So verse 16, it says, now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes is today not the wheat harvest. I will call to the Lord and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see. Listen to this, that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord and asking for a king for yourself. Samuel's he getting he getting in them. Samuel says, look, I'm getting ready. God's getting ready to do a miracle. It's wheat harvest time. It's not time for the rain to come. But I'm going to pray to God. God's going to send thunder uh, and rain. And it's going to be a supernatural sign. A sign of what? A sign to you of your great wickedness, which you have done in the sight of the Lord asking for a king. I read this and I'm thinking this would have been a good time for a few leaders. Can we can we repent? We sorry. Can we, you know, can we, God is merciful. Like it feels like they could have repented, but, and we're going to see in a moment that they, they don't want to repent. They want what they want. And so, uh, those Samuels land this out to them. Nobody says, Oh, you know, they don't, they don't come up with a, a plea to the Lord. They, they, they let them to go ahead. Verse 19. So Samuel called to the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And the people said to Samuel, get this, pray for your servants to the Lord, your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. Note this. They didn't say, Samuel, we repent. 
They said, hey, would you pray for us that we don't die? We still want our king, though. <laughs> pray for us. We, we're not going to change the request. We're not going to change our direction. Would you just pray that we don't die for this thing? I mean, we, I, we done added to our sins the, the evil of asking for a king. Shame on us. Pray for us, Sammy, that we don't die for this. Interesting that something very similar happens later with King Saul. And he says he wants someone to pray for him because he's out of touch with the Lord. And so they don't want God. They want the removal of the consequence. They want the removal of penalty. They said, man, just we don't want to change. We don't want God. We still want our king. But can you pray that the punish that God don't kill us for this? And I want you to know the the problem with that, because that's what some people are like. Pray that God don't get me. I just don't want the consequence. I'm not going to change a thing. I'm not going to repent. I'm not going to do better. I'm not going to yield to God. But could you pray? Sometimes that's what people want. They'll come, hey, Pastor, pray for me to, you know, such and such and such. Well, why is that happening in the first place? Because I can't pray off the discipline of God. If God is spanking you, the remedy for that is repentance. Ain't nobody can, can nobody pray that off of you? Can nobody pray a, a, the discipline of God away from you? You know, if God is disciplining you for disobedience, the remedy is repent and be forgiven and then see if God, if God have mercy. Uh, and so verse 20 Then Samuel said to the people, do not fear. You have done all this wickedness yet. Do not turn aside from following the Lord. So Samuel said, look, forget about it, guys. Don't worry about it. From this point on, don't turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart and do not turn aside. For then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver for they are nothing. Hear that. Samuel tells him, do not ever go after anything that's not God, because if you do, You're going after things that are empty, that cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. Anything we pursue apart from God, it can't profit you. It can't deliver you. It is nothing. Don't pursue it. Pursue the Lord. Here's a cool thing. As you pursue God, everything he has for you is on the trail of pursuing him. The world says you got to pursue the stuff you want. God says, seek me. I'll take care of that. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, all these things to be added to you. And the kingdom of God is different. We, we seek the Lord and then God gives us those things. We don't even have to go, we don't have to go looking for them. They just got to provide them on the trail of seeking him, keeping him a priority. And that's why you see sometimes you'll see a person that's pursuing the Lord and all these other things are just happening in their life. The couple that led me to the Lord, um, they've always been very blessed. Uh, I would say materially blessed. But there are people that they've never sought material things. They don't really glory in them. They don't make a big deal about them. But I've watched at, a, at my distance as I watched them. And I'm like, wow, God just blesses them at 22 first house and then another house, a bigger house. I remember going to see him and on, it was on a cul-de-sac in Corona, big two story house with a pool in the backyard. And, but you know what? Every house that I ever went to visit him at, there was already people that they were witnessing to. First, I went to the second house and he said, hey, man, come over here. My neighbor, I was talking to him in his garage and he had some questions. Come over there with me. Let's, let's talk to him. About, you know, go talk to him. About I'm like, that's why God is blessed them. One, the, the stuff don't have them. They have the stuff. And again, they're just pursuing God, just pursuing the Lord. And God just, doop, doop, just bless them. Pursue the Lord. Let the Lord be the one. To, don't you go pursuing stuff. Uh, God may have stuff for you and you'll get everything you're supposed to get on the trail of pursuing God with all your heart. Verse 22 now, for the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. And um, what, what, it's a, a, just a sweet promise. Samuel throws in how about God, how he's not going to forsake his people for his name's sake, not your sake, 
for his name's sake. God won't forsake y'all because he don't want to make himself look bad. Y'all still bear his name. So every parent here, think about that. Your kids. My mom used to tell me when we were kids, my mom would make us pass by her in the morning. You know, we were we were on our own for getting dressed. But you couldn't leave the house without passing by. You had to come to the room and she wanted to get a head to toe. It's my clothes iron. If, I got, if you got junk on your face, come here, go wash your face. Get that, you know, because her, my mom would always say this. You, you represent me. I don't want you going to school. People think you don't got a mom to care about you, you know. Um, and so she would make sure you looked right before you left the house. That we could mess it all up before we got to school. But you left home. Your face was clean and your clothes was right, you know. And so the Lord said, look, I, for my name's sake, I'm not going to forsake you guys. And it was the Lord. It pleased the Lord to make you his people. And I think about that, man, as messed up a people as they were, it still pleased the Lord to make them his people. And if you could take hope or comfort in anything in, in this section, it's that, you know, the way that God loves his people is his covenant God. And he loves broken people. He loves messed up. He still loved them. I don't even love them. I read this and I think, what a dude, you guys are jerks. You guys are dumb. He's making bad decisions left and right. And God's like, I love you guys. Still, I'm always here. When you call me, I come. And you come to the New Testament and God is like, I love you broken people. Y'all sinners and y'all be messing up, but I just love you. And I've made a provision for you guys. And so there really is no reason for us to be separated from God, because he'll take you back when you come. He'll forgive you when you seek him for it. Uh, he'll wash you and cleanse you as needed. I mean, if some, for someone to be away from God, it's, a, it's, 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 it's a choice to be away from God. God will have you back and you could be far away and decide I'm going to come back. I think of the prodigal son. You couldn't do anything more disrespectful in that culture than say, Dad, give me what I get when you die. Imagine one of your children came and said, how much do I get when you die, Dad? Can I have it now? Give it to me now. Right. Give me my inheritance now. So in other words, you, you dead to me. It'd be as if you dead. Give me what I get now. And God gave it to him. The father said, go ahead. Here, take it. And he went out and spent it all. Um, riotous living, disrespected the household. Good Jewish boy out there in the in the pig swine, you know, getting ready to eat pig slop. And he finally made his came to his senses and came back home and had his little prepared speech. And I love that picture of the Heavenly Father it says he ran out to him, fell on his neck, kissed him. Son started with his, you know, corny speech. Dad, I'm not worthy to be one of your just just make me one of your higher servants. And this man, shut up, boy. He'd come here. And he put a robe on him and sandals on his feet and a ring on his hand and rejoiced and killed the fatted calf and had a celebration. And that's a picture of our Heavenly Father is that he's back. My son, who was dead, is alive. When he left here, he didn't understand the value of being in my household with me. But now he's coming back. I'll take him. And again, rich men in that culture didn't run too cool for that. But this father, when he saw his son afar, he ran, fell on his neck and kissed him. Uh, and that's a picture of the heavenly father. He will have you back. And so there's no need to be separated, distant from the Lord. You can repent. You can turn from your sin and come back to him. He'll forgive you, wash you, cleanse you and reinstate you. And start fresh with you. And so we want to take that away. God is good even when we're bad. Amen. Moreover, verse 23, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. I love this. Samuel says, I won't stop praying for you guys. I won't sin. He said, there'd be a sin for me to stop praying. I'm going to continue to intercede for you guys. Uh, I will not stop praying for you. But he says, but I will teach you the good and the right way. And uh, for anybody here that's a leader, you got anybody under your care, you got children that you're caring for, 
people that you care about. You keep praying, you keep interceding for them. Even you intercede for those that are doing poorly. I think something we forget is to intercede for those that are doing well. There's different battles. Those that are doing well, we got to intercede for them because they're actually in the war. They're actually being, Satan is coming for them and buffeting them and hitting them with stuff and throwing darts at them. So those that are serving and doing well, we got to pray for them. And those that are apart from them, we got to pray for them, that, that God would mercifully preserve them and bring them to himself. But we want to make sure we intercede for those that God has put in our, in our life, in our sphere of influence, in our, in our care. Verse 24, only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. And again, the Lord doesn't want halfway service. He wants you to serve him with all your heart. That's how we want to serve the Lord. Anybody here that's walking with the Lord, if you're watching this, God wants you to serve him with with all your heart. No half hearted service. Why wouldn't half hearted service be good enough? It's not enough for the Lord. He wants your whole heart. If any part of your heart can be divided over to something else, then God's like, I don't have all of you. I want all of you. I'm reminded that when Christ died for you on the cross, he didn't die for most of you or 50 percent of you or 90 percent. He died for all of you. Um, He gave all of himself and he expects all of you. And so here throughout the Old Testament, he wants them to serve him with all of his heart, their whole heart. Is there anybody here can think of a character where God says repeatedly about them that 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 he that he served God wholeheartedly with his whole heart? Holy, holy, follow the Lord. Old Testament, Paul did too. Any Old Testament character, those, those phrases, you might get think of that. Someone who wholly followed the Lord. It, it says about Caleb that he had wholly, it says over and over, he holy, but all those other people, they, they, they were solid people too. Holy followed the Lord. There's, there's certain characters in scripture where you never see them deviate. You never see Daniel deviate. You never see Joseph deviate. You never see Paul deviate. There's certain ones you look and you think, wow, it looks like they just, they were, we know they were human and imperfect, but the testimony of Scripture is pretty solid on their behalf, uh, that they went for it. Caleb is one of those guys, just wholly followed the Lord. And so I encourage to, to myself and to you guys, because we're all weak and we're imperfect, but that's our prayer. God, help us to wholly follow you with all of our hearts. And, and again, the way to follow the Lord with all your heart is to make sure that there's none of your heart given over to anything else. You can't Follow the Lord with all your heart if part of your heart is given over to something else. It's got to be fully given over to the Lord. But if you wholly give your heart over to the Lord, that's how you can enjoy everything that God wants that to do for you, wants to do in you and with you and through you. Last verse 25, it says, but if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Uh, and I, I love how Samuel, I like straightforwardness, right? Samuel, it, it, I mean, he gave us these promises and these mushy, gushy stuff and God faithful to you. And he, hey, look, but if y'all still do wickedly, he's going to wipe, you're going to be swept away, you and your little sorry king. He didn't say it like that, but um, <laughs> if there's a lesson um, as we walk away, a few lessons. One, I think we could take an example from Samuel and, and, and the way he's passing the torch. He's making sure that that which is left behind, he left things in good condition. He did a good job. He's handing things over in as best condition as they can be in. That's the kind of people we want to be. As God moves you from one thing to another, do your best where you are and make sure you hand over things in a good way. A, a lesson that I wrote down here is, is your plan for you will never be as good as God's plan for you. Let go of your plans and embrace his. So your plan for you will never be as good as God's plan for you. So let go of your plans and embrace God's plans.
And lastly, we want to wholly follow the Lord. Nothing hindered. We don't want to be lusting after other things. We don't want to get ourselves in trouble looking at what everybody else got. We want to follow the Lord with all of our heart uh, that we might experience all that he has. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, this book covers some interesting history in the Jewish nation of Israel. The book starts with a prophet declaring the first king of Israel, and the book ends with the death of this same king. Why did Israel desire to have a king so badly? Was it a case of everyone else has one, so we should too? It seemed to have been a situation where the people wanted a person to rule and reign over them, rather than just trusting God to do the kingly duties. As we all know, humans have a tendency to fail and falter, and the first king of Israel was no stranger to this. King Saul started off well, but he didn't end well. Power, prestige, disobedience, and insecurity were all part of his downfall. May these messages in the book of 1 Samuel be a good reminder and a lesson that no matter what man attempts to do, without God, things will surely crumble. If you'd like to hear this message again or listen to more messages from 1 Samuel, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call or text 310-245-4811. Once more, that number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel, here on A Transforming Word.